everybody and a warm welcome and thank you so much for joining us for this, our last Motorsport Magazine podcast of 2012. And of course, we're going to review an absolutely wonderful Formula One season. Arguably the best ever, but Mr. Roebuck will tell us whether it was or not. And so will Jody Schachter, the 1979 world champion. He's sitting right alongside me for the next hour. So they're going to have a lot of fun and some very interesting views, I would think. Just before we start, let me tell you about a new Motorsport Magazine subscription where you will receive 15 editions for the price of 12 or 30 editions for the price of 24. The latter sounds the better deal, doesn't it? There is a special offer too for our podcast listeners, that's you. It'll save you over 25% when you go for the latter offer. Are you with me? I'll just repeat it very quickly. You get 15 editions for the price of 12 or 30 for the price of 24. And if you're a podcast listener, it'll save you over 25% when you go for the 30 issues for 24. Good. Well, you can see all that on the uh, Motorsport Magazine website at motorsportmagazine.com. Okay. Jody, welcome and thank you very much. Thank you. Second time round for you. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, what a season, wasn't it? What a season. And a Ferrari world champion, as you were, were you rooting for Fernando? Hmm. That's a difficult one. Um, no, not for Fernando, no. I think what he did when he was at McLaren's is just put me off him for life I suppose you know put it that way yeah. no, I think he, he drove well this year there's no question about that and he's he's doing a good job on that but you know when somebody does something like that uh, you lose respect for him so fair enough Jody uh, um, did the right man win Nigel Roebuck um, no this is where I'm going to disagree with Jody right off um, because no I, I think that I think the, the the outstanding driver of the year was Alonso um, and it was interesting when I was in <clears throat> when I was in Texas, talking to people in the paddock. I would say ninety mm, percent of the people I spoke to were of the uh, were of the same opinion, simply because he's had certainly not the best car. Um, so uh, he's been on the edge the whole time because he's been trying to compensate for the car's shortcomings, and he's made so few mistakes. Um, you know, if you think about most other people have clattered into somebody at some point during the year, and I, was, and I can't remember, a, you know, a, a time when that happened. So I just greatly admired the fact that he never, never gave up, um, um, in spite of, you know, in the last Senate, the last few races, patently having a, you know, a, a slower car. I, I, I don't think my opinion's any different to yours. I said he did a good job, but that doesn't mean that I respect him for what he did before. I think he did drive well, and whether he deserved the championship or not is an opinion, yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to have to move quite quickly because we've got a whole year to get through, and we're going to go round this motorsport magazine table, uh, getting everybody's views. So, Ed Foster, the right man win? I think he did. 
Um, the, the thing with Alonso is that, okay, he didn't have the fastest car throughout the year, but his car did have an amazing reliability. And you think of the races that Vettel didn't finish because of reliability problems. And it's very easy to say that Alonso was driving better when actually, you know, he was always in the points, of course, and that's, that's down to him putting the car where it shouldn't be. But um, you've got to, got to hand it to Vettel that he had a lot of points taken away and certainly the win springs to mind. Um, and I, I think he did. I, you know, the right, right man won. Damien Smith. Yeah, I'm, um, I don't really talk about things in terms of who deserves what. You, you, you race with what you've got. Um, uh, Vettel, in the second half of the season, definitely had the best car, and he made the most of it, and he scored the most points. And that run of four victories um, really was, was the key to it for him. And um, you can't say he didn't deserve it. He, you know, he, 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 he did a great job. I think, but I think everyone would feel um, that in terms of pure performance, what Alonso managed this year was the equivalent to what we saw with Prost in 86, uh, that kind of thing where you're, you're, you, know, you, you know you're up against it every race. He was driving for points, just driving for the best positions. His, his starts were amazing. Um, his race craft was superb. He made mistakes. I mean, he made a mistake in Japan. But overall, he was consistently the best driver. There's no doubt about that. But the fact is, he was up against Vettel and the other key thing, Adrian Newey. Yeah, I think when you get to the stage, you know, when you have a car, when your race engineer is begging you in the late stages of a race not to set fastest lap for the sake of it. Certainly a good car. It, it tells sure. you something about the car. That'd be really nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I had that all the time, but I couldn't hear them. <laughs> did, did the right man win? Did the right man? I you know. I think it. it, it you know, he he got the mo most points anyone from that point of view. Um, can I bring something else up? The thing that I think is the most unfair about the Grand Prix at the moment is when they get these penalties for a gearbox that had to be changed and they had to go back. And I just think that's dreadful. I know there's an opinion that they say, well, you can't um, separate the driver and the car and stuff like this. But I think on the track, if the driver makes a mistake and crashes, that's the car and the driver. But when there's a gearbox, rather take it off the constructor's points and leave it the drivers. I think that, for me, because it really spoils some races completely um, from a viewing point of view. It's a mad rule. No, I, I agree. And in fact, the only, the only guy who gets penalised is the one guy who's, you know, it's absolutely not his responsibility responsibility so yeah I agree entirely um, Vettel's the only is only the third person ever to win three titles in a row is it is he just gonna get better and better Jody well I mean he's he's solid for me he's very very solid and he's obviously very good um, and he's what he's got to get another four to beat Michael I'm sure that's what he wants to do not so easy because uh, sometimes it looks easy and sometimes you in the middle of the grid driving as hard as you ever could and as well as you can and you it doesn't make any difference but he's had the car um, he's he's you know he's the whole package that's for sure winning one is tough isn't it yeah, winning one is tough. Um, well, I could have won three if, you know, that's, if I had a, the right tyres and the right engine and the right everything else, you know what it's like. Um, no, absolutely. It took me, what, how many years to, to, to eventually do it, yeah. Okay. Um, On the other hand, I don't remember you ever having, quote, a superior car to anything else. 
um, yeah, I probably made it that way with my <laughs> sorting it out. Yeah, I mean, I've yes, it was always it was always tough for me, I suppose. Yeah, and and I had Jill as a teammate who was very fast. So if I had had all those wins, if I could have done that, but maybe that's my fault. And maybe if I was better, I could have won all the races and beaten Jill. You know, don't know. Let's move on to Lewis Hamilton. Well, he would have been fighting for the championship if it weren't for uh, those retirements while leading. Um, Nigel, what happened to Lewis this year, in your view? Well, I thought, I mean, Lewis this year was back to, you know, the Lewis I remember. I, 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 until this year, I, I had always thought his first year was still his best. I thought he just drove beautifully that first year and no complications, not being paid much money, still living in England, uncomplicated life. Um, and then he, in various ways, seemed to me to lose it. And particularly last year, he, he you know, in a big way lost it. But this year, he appears to be, appears to have been settled again, you know, from a, a sort of personal point of view. Um, and particularly, you know, the sort of the last half of the year, I, 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 thought, he, I thought he drove absolutely brilliantly and consistently brilliantly. Um, and, you know, look at um, oh, Singapore, for instance. You know, if the McLaren had, um, you know, had lasted that day, he was walking the race. Um, and had, the, had he lasted, you know, Vettel wouldn't be world champion. Can, so, I, can, can I ask a question, question? If you had a Formula One team, which two drivers would you put in? Um, Hmm, difficult, Jody. I'll have to Jesus, <laughs> that really needs that. He really needs thinking about. I'll have to hurry. You I mean, know, well, the problem with the problem with it is, it's back on this thing, this old thing of Frankel was saying. You know, you can't put two bulls in one field. I mean, I do you subscribe to that or not? Well, McLaren seemed to do that, and, and yeah, but, but it's Frank sure. always points to well, he, he points to Senna and Prost, and he but he also points to uh, you know Jones and Regazzoni was a great Williams team. Jones and Reutemann was. A different, a different thing. So I don't know. I mean, I probably be fascinating actually now to go back to the McLaren team of 2007. Because the funny thing about Alonso and Hamilton is they now actually finish up, I wouldn't say sort of great mates, but they do get on pretty well. Uh, and the interesting thing about them is that they both rate each other as their you know, their, so, uh, their major rival. So what was the answer to the question? Uh, I'm still thinking about it. Right, that. OK. Um, <laughs> le let's, let's, let's move on. Um, Ed Foster, I mean, Lewis Hamilton, never a dull moment. No, he's, he's great to watch. He, he's always been, been good to watch. But as Nigel said, he's, this season he's just been so much better. Um, and it was interesting listening to Martin Whitmarsh after the last race of the season. And he said, you know, we, we've had a, a fast car for a large part of the season but we haven't been able to be up there fighting for the world championship and uh, you know they definitely would have been if, if Lewis was finishing the races that he, that he missed out on um, but for me he's, he's one of the drivers of the season Yeah I and mean, Lewis um, as Nigel says really I mean I think it's his best year of driving since, since 2007 probably his best, best year of driving full stop um, and actually I think that, that Lewis and Jensen as a pairing because they complement each other so well and the maturity that Jensen's got um, is, is, is probably the best um, workable pairing in Formula 1 and actually I think it's a, it's a significant failure for McLaren that they haven't won a world title this year 
I'd, I'd say. And, and I, 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 for some time. I mean, I know, you know, the competition is really strong, and that's great. You know, the new E Horner Vettel Axis is um, Don't formidable. Don't Marco. Uh, Marco, yes, <laughs> it's it's a it's a formidable team. There's no doubt about it. Um, but um, as a package, I think McLaren really, you know, had it all this year. And and I have to say, I think the reliability for them, uh, they, they've got they've got a long winter ahead of them. I think to to look at where they where they lost it this year, um, and uh, and now it's all changed for them for next year. So um, big disappointment, I think. Jody, um, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, a fan or not? Yeah, very much so. And I agree with Nigel. I mean, when he came his first year, first year and a half, two years, he was brilliant. I mean, nobody comes in and does has that performance with so little things going wrong. It was incredible. And um, and last year, I agree too, he was not even making mistakes by being over-aggressive. He was just making mistakes which just were completely stupid. And that was, he had gone from one, because I, I rate him as the best driver in heavy traffic. I used to, uh, um, used to rate um, Jensen as one of the worst, but he's become quite good in traffic now. But, but um, Lewis has been for me always, in the first years, fantastic. He did some, some, some maneuvers in traffic that were just, and got away with it most of the time, except for last year. He was just doing the, the wrong thing. Yeah, no, no, I'm definitely a fan of his. So you've got a Formula One team. Who are your two drivers? Well, I, you know, I, I always put uh, uh, Vettel and Lewis together as the top two. Yeah, me too. And, and I, I, I probably have to put uh, Alonso into, into that, but I would probably pick those two drivers here, put two bulls in at one, one time and try and make them work together in a mature way. Right. Well, we're, we're, we're moving up a gear on, on the uh, last pod- podcast of the year because we're, we're, we're consuming some Schecter's organic energy. Yeah, this is not a commercial break. We are. Uh, and this, this is produced by his son, actually. Uh, and I haven't opened mine yet because I was afraid of making a noise on the microphone. But uh, other energy drinks are available, we should say. But anyway, we're having a bit of Schecter's organic. It's, it's good, this one, though. I, I'm not just saying this, honestly. It is actually it tastes very good, actually. So. Now, we, we, come, uh, we move on to the return of Kimi Raikkonen. And I declare... I declare um, interest here because I love Kimi Raikkonen I think he's good fun and uh, I was really really pleased to see him come back Nigel um, did he did he look good because of Grosjean being uh, uh, unreliable shall we say or is he as good as he was do you think um, uh, well first of all it's not I don't think it was anything to do with you know Grosjean's um, eccentricities Um I I, th- I thought he drove beautifully. I think I just kind of suspect maybe that last last little bit of edge is quite maybe not there, but fundamentally he you know he did he did drive beautifully. He made mistakes actually in qualifying, which compromised some of his races. And you know Kimmy will always be Kimmy. I mean uh, last. Thursday in um, San Paolo, every driver was in the place apart from Kay Raikkonen, who was in Los Angeles with his mates. Oh, good! I'm pleased to hear that. And no, no, but it, it, it's it, that's the way he is. I remember, you know, Martin Whitmarsh telling me about just exactly the same thing. You know, going from Montreal, not straight to Indianapolis the weekend after, but going via Las Vegas for three days. You know, yeah. Yeah, that sounds eminently sensible. But, but it, it, it probably is right. But as Martin said, you know, and I said to him, 
if you lose pole by five thousandths oh, of a second, <laughs> won't you kick yourself? And he said, and he obviously agreed with me, and then he went and got his plane to Vegas. Yes. <laughs> so right. that's, that's, okay. that's Kimmy. Okay. I, used to, I used to think that of James, you know, if he didn't yes. do all the funny yes. stuff he did, how good he really he would have been. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. I, I declare yeah. a further interest. I was a big fan of James. Uh, Ed? I think Kimmy's been brilliant this year, um, and it's his brain that he's he's got at the moment that seems to be so useful there were a couple of overtakes which he didn't quite make that pass on Vettel obviously which he didn't quite make stick and he didn't really go for it yeah exactly and um, you know but then near the end of the season he was making those passes and things like that and you could probably jump on his back and say well he should have taken the lead in Bahrain he should have made that pass but you know you, you can't fault him no for, uh, I, I, for, and that's he, really all I was saying earlier yeah. on Ed, that I think possibly the old the old Kimmy yeah, would, but then would, would you know, he did it. finish uh, third in the championship. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, to finish every single race, finish every single race bar two in the points, uh, or no, bar one, I think it was. And, uh, you know, that, that is an amazing run of form. Yeah, I think the Lotus Renault team was the perfect place for him to make a comeback, I think, because if he'd gone back into Ferrari or McLaren, I think against any of those uh, other world champions on the grid, you know, he, he would have been in, in the shade. Um, but being a team leader, a, a very good, strong team, but not quite a, you know, a, a championship winning team was probably the best environment for him. And he, he got better, I thought, as the year went I'm, on. I'm so glad he got his win. And isn't Formula 1 better f- to have him than not, wouldn't you say? Yeah, unless, yes, you, unless, unless, you, unless you're trying to interview him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, but that's fine. But I, yes, well, I, I don't mind that either, actually. But the, the stuff on the radio... Yeah, I'm no, well, you're not trying to interview yes, him. Yes, no, I, I, do t- I do try to interview him, but it doesn't worry me because that's who he is, that's how he is, and that's how he'll always be. In fact, we, we did ask him to comment on his season for this, but he but didn't have a lot to say about it. <laughs> Jody, um, Kimi Raikkonen... Well, actually, what's interesting about Kimi, for you, from your point of view, to me is the comeback itself. Um, did you ever consider such a thing? No, I was lucky. I got involved in a company in America, which I started, and you know, I didn't go to Grand Prix for 10 years because I was so involved with that, trying to make that work. So I was lucky. I think lucky that I didn't. But he did a lot better than I thought he would have done. Um, and I thought he drove, you know, really well. In fact, when he won the championship, he got into that. You're thinking he's very, very fast. And then the year after, he didn't. He wasn't very good at all. In fact, I think he did better this year than that that year. So no, no, he's uh, he did a, did a good job this year. It's a, it's interesting too, from a comeback point of view, that his was a lot better than Schumacher's. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, that's hard to understand. But I mean, well, I mean, I, I suppose the only thing I'd say is a that he's a lot younger than Michael. B he was only away for a couple of seasons rather than three. And 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 C while he was away, he was he was rallying and he was he was doing competitive. He was driving competitively. He certainly doesn't have the fitness of Schumacher. Uh, no, I do know. No, no, no. I think that's that's. Um, that's that's probably right. that's probably the case. Okay, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he drove better this year, certainly than uh, I would say probably the last two years he did with Ferrari, when he just seemed to me to lose interest at that point. Um, Ed Foster, who kindly prepares my script, which I try to stick to, has has put Button, Weber, and Massa together under the heading "Best of the Rest." <laughs> Perhaps a bit harsh in hindsight, but uh, anyway. well, no, 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 I'll stick to it. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, should we have expected more? I suppose is one question. Button, um, 
it is different because Hamilton is leaving, but will Weber and Massa just be the second drivers next year? I guess they will be, won't they? Um, what do we think, Nigel? Let's start with uh, Jensen Button. I, I thought Jensen had a had a, a, a fairly typical Jensen season, quite honestly. Um, you know, there are days when you don't know Jensen's in the race. But at the same time, it isn't a surprise occasionally when he just takes the lead and, and you know, and disappears. Um, I, I've said before, I, 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 <clears throat> I don't think it's a, a surprise to, that Jensen's hero was always Prost. Um, because I think in many ways he drives just like Prost. I don't think he's as good as Prost was, obviously, but... Um, but uh, like Joe Ramirez always said about Prost, you know, when the car was absolutely right, no one could beat Prost. Um, if the car wasn't quite as good as it should be, then Senna was the guy you needed. Um, so it, it didn't greatly surprise me, you know, when Jensen won in Australia the first race because he, you know, he can do that sometimes. And Spa, you know, he was he was fantastic at Spa. He had the upper hand on Lewis the whole way through. Um, but and, and in Brazil, and he, in Brazil, he stayed, you know, on the on the grey tarmac. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you know, equally as I say, there will be days when he, you know his sure. presence in a race isn't really very apparent. What about Mark Webber? Seems to me in a, a ter- horrible position to be in, a teammate to Sebastian Vettel. But anyway, yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's it's true actually. I mean, I, I must confess, at the last race, I was thinking Mark's in a kind of invidious position because he's teammate to Vettel, but he's great mates with uh, with uh, with Alonso. So it was you know he wasn't he wasn't uh, he was he was in an awkward position in terms of what he probably hoped for and what he was expected to work for. Um, again, you know, Mark. I mean, he was wonderful at Monaco, wasn't he? He was wonderful at Silverstone. Um, other races, you thought, where the hell is he? You know, he, he's, um, he's, he's, a, he's a little bit of a mystery to me, Mark. He always has been, because you know what he's capable of when he, when he's really on it. And I thought actually something is worth pointing out in the early part of the year when Red Bull weren't really, yeah, they were sort of thereabouts, but the, you know, having had the season they'd had in eleven, uh, it was a big come down. And interestingly enough, at that point of the season, you know, Mark was usually quicker than uh, than Sebastian. He was. It's interesting. He was. You're right. Yeah. What about Felipe Massa? Um, delightful guy. <laughs> Can't help liking him. No. Um, again, you know, always be number two. Well, you know, he, I mean, let's remember in in 2000 he was world champion for 20 seconds. You know, four years ago. Um, and you've got to say that he usually had the best of Raikkonen when they were when they were teammates, and I, I, I suppose it's arguable that maybe he will never be the driver again that he was before his uh, before his accident. But it was I thought it was interesting the way he picked it up this year, and, and particularly after Ferrari, after a long, long drawn out process, sort of said, "Yeah, okay, well you can stay for one more year," sort of thing, um, and that really seemed to trigger something and he started to drive like you know we we know he can drive but the early part of the year i mean frankly he was he was pretty dreadful wasn't he it was depressing yeah i was delighted to see him come back because he is as you say such a such a nice guy 
and you know, and everybody felt, everybody likes him. I felt so sorry for him at Interlagos, where he didn't know whether to please the fans or please the team. Well, I, I know, but you know, in 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 oh uh, seven, he had to do exactly the same yeah. thing, didn't he? Dominated the race, but he had to hand it to Kimi at the yeah. very end, so so Kimi could uh, could take the championship. So it's a role he's kind of you know, yeah. it's unfortunate for him, but yeah. Uh, have well, to be, have to be reasonably quick. Do, yeah. I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, okay. as as Nigel said, really, it's very sad to see him driving you know, as he was at the beginning of the season. And there's obviously just something that he wasn't happy with with the way the car was behaving. Um, but some of the drives he did near the end, I mean, especially Brazil. And you know, he is obviously a bit of a uh, Brazilian specialist at that track. But um, there was an amazing drive that he did, and you know, he had the measure of Alonso all afternoon. I thought. I was interested, Jody. You were saying um, about Jensen that your perception of him has changed uh, in terms of the way he deals with traffic. I mean, as a driver, his career progression, his you know, perceptions of him have changed dramatically, haven't they, over the last ten yeah, years? Or so? Yeah, and and I feel the same. No, I think, I think I, I wasn't sure he was ready for Formula One. In fact, I think I said that at the time um, because of his uh, how he interacted in the traffic. But he's got better and better and better at it, and in, in, in nearly a strong point of his now. Yeah. No, I think uh, yeah, you, you summed up. Nigel summed it up right. Um, he's at the car's right. He's he's really really good and um, and and uh, Lewis can take a bad car and drive fast with it or drive around some problems. If, if I was McLaren, I'd be worried about next year and those dips in performance that Button has. You know, with Perez coming along, so I, don't have well, I was going to say and, and dips the performance that Perez had. I mean, it's ever since he signed that contract, he's he hasn't driven a decent race. He's barely finished a race. <laughs> Jody, um, Mark Webber, uh, always sort of nearly there, but. Never is sort of thing. Well, I mean, no, that's not quite fair. He's won races, but it's not an easy place for him to be, I guess. Well, driving with Vettel, you know, for anybody, you know, he's, you're talking about the best. But you know, he's had some races where he's really been fantastic and and been faster. But can he keep it up at that level for the whole season? No. And, and you know, you're against the best in the world. You know, you're really, so, uh, yeah. And he's a really nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a really nice guy. He's really yeah. down to earth, straight yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, which is refreshing these days. Um, Felipe Massa. Now you you uh, you've spent a long, quite a long time at Ferrari, so you know uh, what goes on at Ferrari. Um, he, he's done a fantastic job for the team in the second part of the year, hasn't he? Yeah, I was just thinking through as you guys were talking about it. Um, I suppose I would have thought, and I'm going to be mean now, is that Alonso, when he was doing bad, Alonso wanted him to stay. Because why does he want some hot shoe coming in there? So that was probably part of the decision, but I'm, you know, I said I'm being a bit mean probably. Uh, but yeah, he, I wouldn't have hired him. I wouldn't have hired him for another year for what was his performance, but he did come back at the end of the year. Maybe now that he was signed up, he could show that he could beat Alonso. I don't know. I'm just being. But um, yeah, yeah he, he hasn't done a good job since his accident, really. Yeah. Here's, here's a question. Um, what do we think about the Austin qualifying situation when Ferrari um, broke the seal on Massa's gearbox, giving him the penalty? Um, there was, you know, it caused quite a bit of kerfuffle over the weekend. What was the? What were it's, it's curious. It, it certainly did. No question about it. Um, and I can see why it did. Um, but uh, I suppose if you 
going to be cynical about it. You say, well, this is 2012. Sports changed. People will do anything. And what's interesting was that Ferrari, in, in essence, turned a rule on its head and made it work for them. You might think it's a silly rule in the first place, but, but that's what they did. And oddly enough, in Abu Dhabi, that's exactly what Red Bull did, and nobody, <laughs> nobody got upset. Because the rule is, you know, if you fiddle with a car after qualifying, that's it. You start from the pit lane. Yeah. I mean, so you turn it around. So, okay, we start from the pit lane, then we can fiddle with the car. If you were a team manager, you'd do exactly what Stefano Domenicali did, wouldn't well, you? Well, I, I, I don't think Montezemolo would have welcomed it back to Italy had he, had he, not, uh, had he not done it. No. It's the, it's the rules the problem, it's not, it's not no, Ferrari. Exactly, exactly right. Jody, yeah. what's your view of that particular incident? Well, I'm not sure they, it's 2012. I think they've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, you're right, <laughs> time, yeah. I think, for a long time. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, you've got, yes, you've got to take advantage of the rules. Exactly right. I don't think you would have been very happy if you didn't do that. You're not a fan of this rule, I know, though, are you? No, from, not for the, for the no, opposite no, reason. No, 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 well, yeah, reason. Yeah, I agree, yeah, I agree yeah, entirely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Hulkenberg and De Resta. Uh, we're, we're moving through the grid, as you can tell. This is uh, what we do in our re review of the season. Um, Hulkenberg has some fantastic races. De Resta, in my humble opinion, disappointing. Nigel? Yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say De Resta disappointing overall. I mean, I, all, you can, I, 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 all you can say is that, I, you know, I think Hulkenberg had the, got the better of him. And actually, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm not just going on Sunday's race when Hulkenberg led. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of people have seen something special about Hulkenberg for a while now. Uh, and frankly, it amazes me that McLaren didn't take him rather than Perez. Um, so now you've got to assume that he is kind of locked into Ferrari. I suppose um, that he's, going, he's, he's going to Sauber, which uses Ferrari engines next year and I mean it would amaze me frankly to, to not to see him in a Ferrari in 2014. I suppose um, that uh, he doesn't take Carlos Slim with him does he therefore that must be probably be a factor. Well yeah there is something in that. Carlos Slim I know has requested a tour of the McLaren factory which I'm sure won't be turned down. He hasn't bought it yet. Really. <laughs> no, he hasn't um, bought it yet. Ed. But it's, oh, you know, sorry. it's somebody, you know, you can't blame them. They, these things have to be thought about. Look at the economic times we live in. Vodafone may not be around forever. No, may well not be, as, as I hear. Um, Ed. Yeah, I think it's always interesting with these midfield teams. And, you know, it's very easy to say, well, they had a, a middling car. It's very hard to prove yourself in a car like that. But then Hulkenberg in Brazil, um, Vettel at Toro Rosso, you know, Alonso at Minardi. And that's what Hulkenberg has done this year. But De Resta, although he's, I think, performed very, very well throughout the year, he hasn't had any of those races when you sit up and think, wow, where did that come from? And I think that's what you need to do as a, as a driver of midfield card. So, you know, give him his due, it's, it's early days. And I think he's certainly a great Grand Prix driver, but I don't think we know how great, whereas with Hulkenberg, we do. I've always um, thought highly of Hulkenberg. Um, I, I saw him in his junior career, and he seemed to be have have all the right ingredients at that stage. And I th I think the signs are there that he's he's a he's a top performer. I'm not sure yet whether he's 
um, a top top performer in the in the in the in the Vettel mold. Um, he's got a long way to go to prove he's at that sort of level. But I think De Resta probably had a bit of a second season syndrome this year. It was just um, he didn't have a bad year at all. But as I think Ed's spot on that when you're in that sort of situation you've got to have those days where you just you you, you show some high peaks and and you when when the, when things are going uh, right for you you make the most of it and he didn't seem to have many days where he stood out from the midfield um whereas uh, as Hulkenberg did and, and Hulkenberg edged him on qualifying as well Hulkenberg has that spark i th- i feel um and it doesn't hurt either that you know he's immensely popular in the team you know very well very well liked Jody, so, um, you pretty him. much set the world on fire when you came over from South Africa. Um, I mean, your rise to Formula One was meteoric. I think would be one word for it. Um, what does it What does it take for these guys towards the back of the grid to prove that they are something special? In your In your opinion. Oh, um, well, I just go back on. The, I think we what we forget about this last season. Something else is that the lesser teams were massively good compared to what they've ever been in the past. You know, you normally had three teams and anybody else was just... Now you saw some, what, five or six teams that could be leading a race and, and won some of them. So that was... Those middle teams were massively competitive compared to before. What did it take? Well, for me, I, I was... I drove in a spectacular way because I slid the car a lot and that, and I think that got me noticed. It probably was a disadvantage when the tyres got more and more sophisticated. Um, you've got to do what these young guys do and come and beat what you think you ca- what they think the car can't do. I think that's it. that's important. That uh, you're going to put the car in a place where it's it's not. You're going to show the character that you need to when you're down. You're still fighting. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. The three, the three, uh, the guys we're talking about. There were three of them really that that were up and coming drivers, really. And I think, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with what Nigel says. I'm saying that too often, actually. You are. I must say, it's very disappointing. <laughs> After all these years, too. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I must be getting old, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I would probably have picked uh, Hulkenberg if I was. Um, what about uh, Perez going to McLaren, Jody? I mean, do, do, have they taken the right guy there uh, based on uh, what we've seen th- throughout this season? Um, well, I suppose the beginning of the season you would have thought so, but you know, the end of the season you would say no. Um, we'll have to see. It's all done, isn't it? They're not going to change their mind now. <laughs> um, yeah. McLarens are actually a very loyal team to their drivers, probably more than most. Yeah. yeah. You really just don't know at this stage, do you, with, with someone like Perez? I mean, the, the peaks, Monza, he was superb at Monza. Um, and um, then there was yeah, the Malaysian Malaysia Grand Prix as well. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but as Nigel said earlier on, you know, after, after Monza, you know... I'll be surprised if he can compete with uh, Jensen. Yeah. I think he'll be... A, uh, and I thought that of Jensen going to... But I was wrong there too, so... Mm. so <laughs> I was. I yeah. So was I. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to say, driving up in the car this morning, I thought, right, we're going to have a good ding dong between Schechter and Roebuck, and it just hasn't happened. That's really, um, yeah, okay. Uh, actually, Joe Ramirez, who's spent quite a lot of time with um, Perez, s- says to me that uh, he just needs to grow up. 
and calm down. And if he can grow up and calm down, he, he, he'll be a great racing driver. But until he does that, he won't be. Um, yeah, Joe, actually, also, he said to me, um, because, the, you know, the perception of, of, of Perez, and, and a lot of people have, have said it and felt it, is that he's arrogant. And it's all sort of mapped out for him. A little bit like, you know, we felt with PK Jr. <laughs> uh, Joe says, no, actually, when you, when you really get to know him, he's, uh, I can see why he comes across as arrogant to you. But in fact, what he is, is actually quite timid. Mm. He's very confident. And well, that, that can uh, sometimes uh, be... But it's a, um, according to Joe, that's a sort of yeah, perhaps a, a, a mask. You know, okay. a front, yeah. Um, penalties and punishments. Uh, Maldonado and Grosjean. Well, uh, Nigel, uh, phew, blimey, we've seen this from since the year dot, haven't we? Uh, the odd madman comes along and does something crazy. And But this year, certainly, uh, well, in Grosjean's case, the number of mistakes he makes is a bit worrying, I would say. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on these two? Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the the thing they have in common is they're both fundamentally blindingly quick. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. The first part of the year, you know, you look at Grosjean's qualifying times compared with Raikkonen's, and he was blowing Kimi away, you know, regularly. Um, what worries me about Grosjean is the sort of accidents he's had. Um, and particularly, the, I mean, if you if you analyse, you, if you play back the Spa start in slow motion, you you, you know when you look at what it led to, but you just have to c conclude what on earth, you know, what the hell was he doing? And it makes you worry from the point of view of is, you know, is this peripheral vision quite what it should be? Well, because you could he, say the he same. just veered across the road into Lewis as if you know, as if he had the the place to himself. You could say it's the same about um, Interlagos, in fact, where the, where even I realised that there was no way he was going to get through that uh, past no. the HRT. No, 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 no. So, yes. What Maldonado, though? I mean, yeah, well, Maldonado, quite, I mean, Christ, you think sometimes Maldonado maybe should have his own personal steward, don't you? <laughs> I mean, he, he, he does some... He does some very odd things. On the other hand, I think he's been blamed for things uh, this year on occasion unfairly. Uh, I thought that coming together with Perez at Silverstone, for instance, and I mean, if ever there was just a plain, simple, you know, motor racing accident, that was it. Was it was that? Um, but the problem is, once you get a reputation, you know, it's very easy to blame you ever after. Ron Dennis would say, of course, you know, that's why you don't want Latin drivers, because they... What, you mean like Ed and Senna? <laughs> yes. Well, OK. <laughs> OK. I think he was an exception to just about every rule on the planet, but yeah. Well, Ron used to say um, very proudly, oh, we, we know how to handle South American drivers and McLaren. And then Montoya arrived. And Perez is coming, but <laughs> Ron's not there anyway, so it's no, irrelevant. No, no, that's true. That's okay, true. Ed Foster, um, Maldonado and Grosjean. Yeah, I mean, as Nigel said, it's, with Grosjean, you do really do wonder what's going through his head at some, some races, because, you know, there's quite plainly a car there and he just turns into it. Um, but I think there's also something to be said for, you know, you were saying that Maldonado's, you know, just always doing it, and he's like victim of of the, uh, the mistakes he's made in terms of, you know, people start watching him more closely and, and it's been unfair on him. I think Grosjean's a bit like that, but in terms of, you know, everyone is on his back so much that he's now driving scared. You do get an element of every time he goes out or he's got to start to do or, you know, got to n negotiate the first corner and you just think, how's he going to handle this? I mean, there's so much pressure and of course that's in the back of his head, you know, after his one race ban. 
Um, and I think it's pretty hard to drive. I mean, Jody, you'll know better than me. It must be hard to drive, you know, with <laughs> well, knowing yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was quite lucky because um, I practice a lot with my peripheral vision. My first wife was very jealous, so I had to <laughs> keep my head straight <laughs> and look around a lot. Why was she jealous, <laughs> Jody? I wonder. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't think. <laughs> No, um, but actually, you actually you are you are the man to to talk about this because um, after the shunt at Silverstone at the British Grand Prix, um, pe- people say that you know you that was a bit of a moment for you because you realised actually that perhaps the, you there was something you needed to do about about your approach. I mean, is that true or is that bullshit? No, I don't think it's true at all. I I, I think. If anything, is when I went with Ken and he started pushing me to slow down and did he do it too much? And maybe when I saw Severt's accident, it came home to you as well. Um, but no, at that stage, I didn't really care. I was just driving as fast as I could and, and you know, the twi- car twitched out on me, which was a new tyre, you know. Um, it was funny. I didn't really think of the difference between driving for McLaren and then going to Ken because at McLaren I had two experienced drivers so I'm sure I was getting a lot of the stuff setting up the cars and things like that coming down and helping me which I didn't really realize and when I was with Ken I was I was the one that was showing the way somehow. So I mean, but but, but 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 these two sort of I suppose we could bracket them the wild men or something. Actually, um, is this just something that they get through their has to be worked through their system? Well, we'll see. I mean, I think yes, you you hope so. And I think they, as you say, they're blindingly fast, and that's the one of the most important things. You know, everything else can get sorted out. If you're not fast, then. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Let's hope they get through that. Yeah. I think there's some interesting parallels here that um, with with Jody, people forget how how because of that incident at Silverstone, they, they forget how good your start to your Formula One career was, and how competitive you'd been that early that that start of that year, and the Silverstone thing kind of dominated the headlines for for some time, and that's what people think about for '73. And with with Grosjean, um, he was superb at the start of the year, and then he he had these mistakes um, and pretty big ones, but they are the things that people remember and I think it's about character as well that with Maldonado you get the impression that all the barbs and criticism that have come his way kind of just bounce off him he, he doesn't care it doesn't bother him whereas with Grosjean you know he's looked shaken at times this year and he I don't think he's the same guy now that he was this time last year no I, I agree with that okay no, I agree. And, and, and that you know the ban the race the one race ban I mean I think that, that really shook him um, but you know I mean I, I, I actually I, I like Maldonado I think he's uh, you know he's he is a bit of a wild man so do Williams on occasion but you know but it's the old it's the old thing you know you can tidy you can uh, you can always tidy up speed you can't speed up tidiness as John Wire always said we, 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 we must talk about Mercedes-Benz before we uh, come to towards the end of the season review because um, it really is quite fascinating to me and many others that a team of this size and resources and experience has done as badly as it has. Nigel, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. When you, I mean, when you look at the, you know, the, the technical personnel they have, um, 
and you know, inevitably, some people have speculated. Well, perhaps you know, too many cooks. I, I'm not but saying that's necessarily the the uh, the case. Um, but I'm. It, I, I'll admit it surprises me. Um, I mean, two things that surprised me are one that Mercedes have not progressed. I know they won a race, but they've not really progressed. And the other is that still, after all this time, those three teams probably two in the future, at the back, have still not managed, on even on one occasion, to score a point. Which, which you know, that, that amazes me too. But, but just going back to Mercedes, um, yeah, I don't know what you say. I mean, the car was sort of, you know, okay sometimes, lamentable others. It was very, uh, very hard on its tyres. Um, on the other hand, you know, in uh, in Shanghai, Rosberg was, I mean, he not only won the race, but he was comfortably, he was on the pole, I think, by half a second. And he just took took off at the start and no one got near him. That, that one weekend in 20. Uh, the fact that the Mercedes seems to have just dropped off in performance so much after that win, it you know, it seems to be... Hasn't, as Nigel said, it hasn't progressed, but I think it's worse now. It's gone done the opposite. Has Ross done a done a 2008 and said, forget this year, at some, at earlier than most teams? Yeah, I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And, you know, next year, I know all, there's always been the thing, as long as Michael was with any team, there's going to be a certain amount of focus on it. But next year with Lewis, it's going to be a different deal altogether. Because if Lewis isn't competitive, then, you know, the problem is not with him. Jodie, I'm intrigued to hear what you thought about Michael this year. And, and the comeback as a whole. What's your, what's your opinion? Well, I think the comeback was his well, it was his personal decision, and I think it was from his point of view, I think it was done. I mean, it must be horrible sitting on the pit wall trying to look busy, and that's what he was doing for for a period of time. That's probably the worst thing you could do, and then it became a complete new challenge. But what I think did the most good is that you can imagine retiring, winning the world championship seven times. You are like God, you know, you think there's nothing that's near. Now he's going to get out of this thinking, yeah, yeah, you know. And I, and I think that's very good for a person, you know. I think it's, it gets you down to earth. Yeah. And but I think, you know, when you were saying you, you retired and then you didn't go to a Grand Prix for 10 years because you started the company in America and it took up all your time. And I think, uh, and fundamentally, that's Michael's problem. I mean, he came to the races after he'd retired in some sort of vague capacity with Ferrari. Um, and he will, look, if ever anybody looked like a lost soul, it was him. And I, down the road, I really do wonder what he will find to do. Because you just get the impression he actually doesn't really have much interest in anything. Apart Organic from farming, maybe? <laughs> well, that'd get rid of his uh, fortune uh, quite quickly. Uh, um, you know, it's difficult. I always think of uh, children, uh, film stars, how they come and then they just drop off like that and they haven't got anything to do. You can think some, I'm not saying Michael, but, you know, they're earning millions of dollars or pounds and then all of a sudden they, their qualification is, is a mechanic or something. And they've got to get, you know, from that amount to, to the real world. And it's quite hard for some people to, ad to adapt to that. I always say I went from first class to standby in one year. And, and you know, you're feeling, feeling lost in a team. I think when I announced my retirement halfway through, I already felt lost. I didn't feel like I was same part of the team two weeks later. It's interesting, uh, actually, because it's, it's not something any of us 
will experience. And um, I mean, Damon Hill was here in this earlier in the year, and he said, <laughs> I think the first couple of weekends after uh, in his the year he he when he'd stopped driving, he used to take a chainsaw out into the woods and just thrash around with it because he felt so <laughs> frustrated and at a loss. And you know, well, what was he going to do? Where was he going? And so I'm right, aren't I? Yeah. 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 Okay, well, we, we may be saying goodbye to many more people apart from Herr, Herr Schumacher, actually, because it may be goodbye to Bruno Senna, Kamui Kobayashi, and Heike Kovalainen, and possibly even Petrov, maybe. Is that right? No, that, anyway, there is, is quite a lot of change around at the back, towards the back of the grid. Um, I think that an interesting way to look at this briefly might be who, who would any of us like to see come in? And I could just get the ball running by. I really want to see Bottas in the Williams. Nigel, what? Yeah, and I think you will. Um, I'll be interested to see how Gutierrez goes in the Sauber. Um, actually, down the road, I'm not talking about next year or maybe even the year after, what the, the really intriguing guy on the horizon to me is um, is Felix da Costa. Because um, I think, to, you know, to come into the Renault 3.5 series half season and then just dominate. I mean, I mean, I, I remember I watched the last race on TV and I mean, it was, it was amazing because he was, there was a great scrap of his second place and, and uh, Felix de Costa was 15, 20 seconds up the road. You heard it here and first. I, and I, I mean, he's, he's, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got to be, he could be like Vettel in the sense of, you know, going to the Red Bull team the main Red Bull team very quickly. Felix da Costa. Antonio, Antonio, Antonio Felix da Costa. Antonio yes. Felix yeah. da Costa. Ed Foster, what about you? Yeah, I would, I, I'm going to be really sad to see Kobayashi go. I've been such a big fan of his. Um, the fact that the, his fans have raised 650,000 euros to try and keep him in the sport is, is quite an amazing achievement and it's a pretty good reflection on how he's viewed. Um, and I also think I'll, I'll be really sad to see Kovalainen go. I think he's driven better at Caterham than he, than he ever did at McLaren. And I think he deserves a, you know, a seat in the midfield, a seat somewhere else and, and not even at the back of the grid, let alone out of the sport. Yeah, I would agree. Except I would say he's actually not been... You know, there have been occasions this year when Petrov's been quicker. And you think, well, looking at their reputations and records and all the rest of it, that shouldn't really, that shouldn't really have happened. But Petrov's no mug, is he? That's the no, thing. no, he isn't. And that's the, isn't. the quality, actually, I think, um, through the grid is, is as strong now as it's ever been. Uh, I don't know what you think, Jody. I think it's stronger than it's ever been. Yeah. The standard of driving right through the field is, yeah. is very, very good, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of drivers out there who, you know, are going to be looking for world sports car drives and things next year by the looks of it. And it, it, it's amazing, really, that some of the quality that is being left on the sidelines. And, of course, the teams uh, are having to look more and more at money. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's that seems to me to be the, the big factor here, some, uh, uh, is that it's become a lot more about money than it ever used to. And therefore, it's not just... He's got great talent. He's really quick, so we'll take him. Is it? It's not like that, Jody, anymore. Oh, I think it's always been like that for for really? many times. You get a driver that really shines out, and he can go through and get go through that barrier, and then others have to come with some sort of sponsorship, somebody they know. But uh, just going back to Kobayashi, I think that's the one I'd be sad not to see. I'm not sure about any of those other guys, but he's definitely shown. I mean, he was quicker in qualifying than. Perez quite a lot of the time which 
you know, is the, is the speed thing again. And he's been very brave in a lot of, uh, uh, what is it, what's his name? And, and not crashing that much as far as I remember. No, I think he definitely should have a place in Formula One. I think we're in an era after the manufacturers, most of the manufacturers have left Formula One. And when manufacturers are in, are in the sport, you know, they don't need pay drivers because there's budgets available. Um, but now most of the teams are privately funded. So they're going to need they, they need they need money coming into the sport, you know, and it's um, it's that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, I think Jody is right. I mean, that is the way it's always been. I just think maybe it's probably more apparent now. It's more visible now. And there's no big tobacco sponsor because no, no, to, that's true. And and also and also, you know, the world's look at the world's financial plight. I mean, they just. You know, money is money is just harder to find. I, I drove the uh, the Top Gear live in South Africa. I drove the Mercedes, and the year before the Red Bull, which was the funnest thing I've done for a long, long time. Because I drove my Ferrari as well there, which was okay. But the, the modern car and the technology they have with it is just absolutely mind-boggling and and fantastic. I loved it. Jody, did you did you um, other drivers I've spoken to? From, from your sort of era who've driven modern cars say fundamentally they're, and they're very cherry about saying it because they don't want to come across as sort of oh, it was different in my day but the consensus seems to be they are decidedly easier to drive now than they were in the sense that you can't over rev you can't miss, miss a shift you, you know, you got power steering, etc., etc. What do you What do you think? Yeah, well, uh, but besides, I mean, the Red Bull. It actually worried me because before that, I th I didn't really want to drive a Formula One car because I thought after three laps, I'll be my neck, I'll be so tired. And but actually, then I said, well, it'd be nice to have a go. But I felt so good in the car that I started to think now, well, you're talking about money. I think, should I go for one of those qualifying uh, sessions? <laughs> but they do say the older you are, the faster you were. But um, I felt absolutely fine in, in, in the Red Bull and pushed it. And yeah, it seemed... Where, where was it? Where did you drive it? That was in Kailami. Right. And the other one was in a track in Durban, which was... And I spun the first lap, so... <laughs> but yeah, Jody was saying to me the other day that... Um, he quite fancies those Friday morning sessions where they get young drivers in. So yeah, when you're talking about paying for a driver, I thought, should I have hey, a go? You know? <laughs> no, no. Wouldn't this be a fantastic plan? Is it on Friday mornings we don't have young drivers anymore? We have the old drivers going back. Yeah. Now that would be something. I else, could get a wig and come, come as a young driver. <laughs> We've had Damon and Prost driving the Red Bull this year, so get you know just get different generations come back. Yeah, yeah, but I think this is a great strategy. Friday mornings is for the old guys. Let's see who let's see who who can hack it. Okay, uh, we just gonna, we we've got very little time left actually, uh, but um, we do have questions for Jody, and uh, the first one comes from Andrew Frankel. I guess I guess that's the Andrew Frankel, is it? Um, Jody, what did you think of the uh, Tyrrell P thirty four? It's a good question. It was at the six wheels. Do you remember which one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that six wheels. Uh, um, what did I think of it? Not not a lot. Although, again, looking back, I did better than I thought I had done. The car used to break a lot. Um, but also, I thought the theory behind the car was wrong. And I think that's when they started listening to Patrick a little bit more, because the, the frontal area wasn't any different, because the back 
back was the same width, although they made it narrower, and then they ran a slightly different back wing, so when we did a back-to-back, -back, it was faster. And then braking was supposed to be better, but once you turned into a corner, one of the little wheels jumped up and locked, so you had to back off your brakes. So it was probably a bit better straight in. It's funny, I was just thinking another thing, it's funny how Tyrrell was always good in Sweden. It didn't matter what it was, yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, they had something right or wrong <laughs> the other time. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sam Smith wants to know whether you think that next year will be Alonso's last chance at a title shot with Ferrari because in 2014 we've got turbo engines coming completely new, different rules. Um, do you think he's got a real crack at it? I mean, I suppose it's the Vettel thing again, isn't it, really? Even next year? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it makes any difference if you've got a turbo or what's the name of it. You know, maybe some drivers will be a little bit more adaptive to, to that type of thing, but I don't see that making uh, you know, a big difference. Is he still enthusiastic? Is he still enjoying it and, and he's still putting it in? I mean, you could say Alonso's driving better than he this year better than he has um, so you know I don't think that makes a difference I think I know how you're going to answer this one it comes from Alessandro Forconi and he says how much luck is involved in winning a world championship <laughs> um, but or is it it always is the very best man who wins so how do you how did you think I was going to answer that oh, I <laughs> thought you'd probably answer it along the lines of of course it's not luck um, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, <laughs> skill, good looks, all those, all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I think I always said, you know, a driver can win a race, but to win a championship, you need to have some brains behind it unless the car is absolutely massively superior, because it takes a lot, much more than any other sport. A Formula One has to have you have to the drivers have to be intelligent because they're working with so many different technologies. Um, if you think other sports have got very little technology, and um, when you want to win a championship, you've got to be consistently good under all of those different circumstances. Yeah, I mean points is what you need, isn't it? Yeah, it depends. I've changed the point systems and stuff, but yeah, I knew in, in when I was going for the championship, yes, I had to score points, and that was that was what I wanted to do. Not that I could have won any more races if I tried harder, but you know. Okay, um, what do you feel, Jody, about the 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 the, the huge um, moves we've seen recently to, to racing in the Middle East and the Far East and all these Tilka circuits? You know, all these circuits are designed by one man. Um, What's your feeling about that as you watch now? Well, yeah, it's the way the world's going, isn't it? You know, the money's gone over there and, and um, Europe's sort of falling behind very fast. So that's part of life. If I said anything else, I, you know, be, it was much more fun in those days type of thing, you know. And I think for the drivers, it's probably the same fun as it was for us, except it's just a different era and we older, we look at it differently, but... No, I think it's the way it's going. It's, we've got to accept it. But the huge, you were, you were extremely vocal and, um, and worked hard at uh, safety uh, during your Formula One career. And of course, one, that has been perhaps the, he, the, the biggest leap forward, hasn't it? Not just in the cars, but in the circuits and in the whole environment. 
Oh, very much so. Yeah, I think the, yeah, a lot of things uh, contribute. The carbon sh- uh, chassis is probably one of the bigger ones because it just stays together when the cars. But yeah, a lot. The guardrails are out of the way. They used to just chop a car in half when they went in in the middle of it. Yeah, no, from that side, it's and 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 you see the drivers doing what they did today bumping quite often you know you if you did that very much i mean i think it was arnu and uh and and did that and that in those days was complete madness because you just touch it you you know you you don't get out of that very often yeah i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna ask this one not because i want to reply to it because i like it it comes from an italian called riccardo toccato he says, would you agree that Vettel is only world champion because he's lucky? <laughs> well, I think we'll leave it there, but anyway. <laughs> I do that. Well, you've, got, you've got to love the Italians. I mean, hey, yeah. it's Ferrari all the way. Well, he, he rode his luck, didn't he? I mean, there's no getting around it. That last race, it really should have been yeah, all over yeah, at the first yeah. I, I, yeah, turn I think, four. Uh, whatever else, I, you know, on, on, I think in Brazil he was extraordinary. He lucky. was, he was. Because, uh, you know, the incident when he hit, when they had to come in together with Senna, when he was pointing backwards and everybody sort of yeah. coming at it, A, they all missed him. B, you know, the car was somehow just able to continue, and, and Adrian said it was very, very marginal. But most of all, I mean, I still wonder why there was no investigation into the coming together in the first place. Well, quite, because actually it seemed, because it did appear that Senna had the corner. And, and this is something actually that unsettles me a bit, that at some races the stewards seem to investigate every tiny little thing, and others, depending on who the stewards are, you just think, oh, well, it's just gone by. Yeah. I know we're almost out of time, but I'm just one point on this, this the stewards side of things. I'm interested, Jody, what do you think? Do you think that the, the, the way that the penalties are introduced now and the way that uh, it's policed, it's, it's gone too far, or are you comfortable with it the way it is? Well, they haven't invited me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's put it this way. It's a lot better than when Max Mosley was there. A lot, lot better. Um, yes, you know, for me, you, you get fined for every little thing you do. Uh, thank goodness I'm not there for that reason, because I'd probably uh, would do one or two races. <laughs> um, yeah. um, what do you think, Jody, will happen with um, Kobayashi for next season? I know we have touched on this, but... Um, do you think that he will I know we all want him to but do you think that he will get a drive or is it just become so competitive now no I, I, I can't believe that with you know being Japanese they don't come up with something that gets him in there because he's he's the first driver that I remember that really is uh, possibly in the middle to the the, the top drivers now I'll be very surprised if somebody or if something in Japan doesn't come together you might, uh, well, this comes from David Joe, and it, it begins, Jody is my all-time favourite driver. Is he a friend of yours? Or he's now, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's always wanted to ask you, what was Patrick Depaye like as a teammate? Yeah, he was a really nice guy, Patrick, yeah. He had a couple of girlfriends in every town. No, it wasn't as bad as that. Um, no, he was a really nice guy. Um, uh, I don't know how you explain it. I mean, remember the first race I went with him, he was having a little glass of wine between, before the practice, and uh, that didn't seem right. But, uh, um, yeah, he was arrested going into one of the races because he was, he was overtaking all the cars. Um, it was a bit, he was a bit like that, but a really lo- nice guy. Yeah. He was unbelievably brave, wasn't he? 
I mean, you know, one of those you sort of too brave. Because he used to tell me up, and he used to go up into the mountains above Clermont on his bike, whatever, Kawasaki or whatever, just wearing a pair of shorts. Yeah, but he, he broke the leg Yeah, yeah, he did. In fact, just before his first drive for Ken. But he used, but he said, uh, it, I must say, it did was a bit disturbing that he got a great buzz out of driving the hell, riding the hell out of this bike, only wearing shorts and knowing that if he did come off, it was going to be yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, James. James always thought he had a death wish. Yeah, don't know about that, but um, no. Always the, the little funny thing is that when when I got there, and you know, this is your first sort of serious and uh, season, and you get these fast corners, and you you can't take it flat, and you just and I said, Patrick, what are you doing? It's quite flat quite flat <laughs> Jesus and the next time I'm going I'm holding it down my leg wants to pull it up and get a touch of grass and everything halfway through the season I realized he said no it's not quite flat that's what he meant <laughs> oh boy I like that one um, good value you are Jody I gotta say um, we know you'd like to do a bit of Friday morning driving next season, and um, Nigel Newman says, which team would you want to drive for next year, had you got the opportunity? Me? You. Wow. That's um, yeah, McLaren, Red Bull or Ferrari, probably. <laughs> Not fussy. Mind you, the food's better in Italy, so probably I'll take that, yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Um, Okay, this, this comes from somebody called F1 in Pubs. I guess that's not actually his name, is it? Um, how do farm animals compare with the thrill of racing in Grand Prix racing? You know, I suppose you get into something and the more you learn about it, the more interesting it gets. And, um, you know, you've, I must say that my company in America that I started on the kitchen table and you went, that was, you know, massively hard work, but very exciting, you know, when you've got a contract and things like that the big difference is only you and you and your shareholders in formula one everybody knows that's the bigger bigger difference but um yeah i enjoyed my formula one i enjoyed my uh, my span in america which was very successful um but it was very very hard and this one is very very hard and i don't think i'm really successful yet although we do some fantastic product you do um, in fact i was going to say as we're just a few days away from christmas i guess you're rather keen to get out of here and get back to work because it must be your biggest time of the year i'm sure it must yeah be. by far um food most food people be i can't understand it because why do people eat so much more in that area i mean nearly double or treble in that in that that era but um yes it's, it's a big time for for us yeah let here, one last question uh I guess this is for all of us. It comes from Paul Corley. Um, could Vettel win without Adrian Newey? Let's start with you, Jody. Silence. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to have the car to win. You can't win without a car, without the right car. So he's got the right car. But, you know, whatever you say, he's still, you know, one of the best drivers, or the best drivers there. But the f the, this Newey thing is a factor, though, isn't it? Because if you look at who's who, who's designed the cars that have won the championships over recent years, yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I think Adrian is worth more than an, an, any driver. Quite hey, honestly, are you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> you've got Adrian. You you know you've got a guarantee, haven't you? You've, you're going to win races. 
whatever the team, whatever the drivers, to a degree. Were you paid more than Derek Gardner? Mm. Yeah, well, I'm not sure I was paid <laughs> more than you. <Yui. laughs> No, that's right. No. Ed, can, what, what do you think? Can this young man win lots of Grand Prix without Adrian Newey? Of course he can. You know, we've seen lots of cars win races this year, and they haven't got Adrian Newey designing their cars. And, and Vessel, as we, I think, all agreed on, he's, he's one of the best guys in Formula 1 and one of the guest, best guys in Formula 1 for years. So, uh, you know, put him in McLaren, he'd win races. Ferrari, he'd win races. You know, an HRT, he wouldn't. He's not that good, but... Um, you know, well, no one will next year because I don't think they'll be around. But yeah, of course he can. I, you know, he's he's brilliant. I'd agree with that. Um, I think Vettel's top notch. But what I would say about him is he's clearly flawed, as they all are in their own different ways. But Vettel's got weaknesses. Um, he's easily rattled. He still makes mistakes. Um, and the benefit he's got with Newey's Newey's cars is that usually he gets to get out front. And, and dominate from the front, which is the way he likes to do it. Um, and he's definitely got that advantage. But if he was in a McLaren, he would challenge for titles. If he was in a Ferrari, he'd challenge for titles. Um, but, um, you know, he is a worthy three-time world champion. Yeah, he is. He is. But I still, you know, I, I've, all, all my life I've believed you learn more about a racing driver when he's up against it when he's you know when he's not in the best car and it's how he responds to that does he does he sort of sort of semi give up or does he does he still on it every, I, think every, I always every weekend? thought that was very true for a team as well yeah when they do winning and everything that's all right but when yeah. when it really gets down you see how they they react it's, you know. Okay, well, it's been fascinating. I've enjoyed it. I hope you all have, uh, whether you've uploaded or tuned in or whatever we do these days, download it, one of the two. I'm a bit confused about the two, but anyway. Um, it's Christmas time coming up, uh, so we're all going to be taking a bit of a holiday, as I'm sure will all of you. Uh, but we'll be back, of course, in uh, 2013 for more Motorsport magazine, more motor racing, and let's hope another absolutely fantastic season. Thank you very much, Jody, for taking the time to come in today. It's a pleasure. You didn't m mention that we've got turkeys for sale. Though, no, for I Christmas. didn't. Do you know what, Jody? <laughs> at Leverstoke. You know what, Jody? <laughs> Park I, Farm. I didn't. But so they they haven't walked out yet in protest. No, no, I'm going down there to feed them just straight after this. Uh. And Rob, I should just say before we close, you'll be reading uh, more from Jody in the February issue of the magazine because one of the reasons why he's in today to do this podcast is because um, he's guest editor for the uh, the February issue, which is on sale uh, around this time. So um, there's lots more uh, from Jody about his cars. Um, he's got an amazing collection of his Formula One cars and uh, Formula Two, Formula Five Thousand, Formula Fords, um, and. Uh, mozzarella. mozzarella as well <laughs> so there's a bit of everything in the in the February issue so don't miss it if I come and buy a turkey from Laverstoke Farm can I have a look at your cars no not one turkey <laughs> <laughs> I have to buy a lot more than that one turkey one car <laughs> Actually, I've always been advised never try and do a deal with Jody Schechter, and I ain't starting now. So uh, have a great holiday, everybody, and thank you to Alan Hyde for looking after us on the microphones throughout the year. Uh, we'll see you back at Motorsport Magazine in a, about a month's time. Bye-bye.